It's more than a pleasure to have back on the program with us, joining us for the first half of this hour. And you can join in with your questions or your comments after the first half. I'm going to open up those phone lines. It'll be just you and me. But right now, if you want to talk with our guest, Senior Constitutionally Policy Analyst at the Center for American Progress and the editor of Think Progress Justice, Ian Milheiser is our guest. He's been on before. He's awesome and good to have him back with us. Our number is 8886 Leslie. Ian is also author of Injustices, the Supreme Court's nearly unbreakable broken history of comforting the comfortable and afflicting the afflicted. Ian Milheiser is our guest. Good afternoon, Ian. Glad to have you back on the show. Welcome. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. Okay, we're going to talk about the potential nominees that President Obama may consider to fill Justice Scalia's seat. But so that people understand, let's briefly go over a few things. One, Mm -hmm. President Obama, and this is any president's not just time to shine, if you will. This is really something where somebody can say, my vote mattered in electing that individual, right? Because a president has the power not to appoint, but to nominate. And who they choose to nominate on the highest court in the land, a tenured until retirement or death position, uh, is a big deal. Does the president, in your professional opinion, have a responsibility and an obligation as commander-in-chief to put forth a nominee quickly, hopefully in 30 days um, or less, first off. Absolutely. I, I mean, it, I can think of no precedent for the majority party in the Senate doing what the current majority is doing right now, which is announcing almost immediately after a vacancy opens that under no circumstances, no matter who the president chooses, uh, they will not confirm that nominee. Now, this is really, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ian. This is bad because there were either even Republicans on Fox agreeing with me and you on this one. Not just that he should put it forth, but that the Republicans should be honest about the nominating process. They may not nominate an individual, but one of the nominees we're going to talk about put forth had almost 100% approval. It's kind of hard to do an about face. And then if you have somebody who's a female or somebody who's a minority, uh, some people have talked about somebody who's Hispanic, uh, the list goes on. It can also hurt Republicans for the senatorial seats that are coming up in this next election as well. Is that correct? Or do you say, nah, the Republican supporters want Republicans to stall and block anything President Obama puts forth, including a Supreme Court nominee to replace uh, Chief Justice Antonin Scalia? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is that Republican senators are more afraid of their primary electorate than they are of their general electorate. You know, they're more afraid that if they vote for anyone Obama puts up, that they'll get thrown out of office in a primary, and it doesn't matter, you know, what, what, the, rest, what the rest of the country thinks. Um, we have reached this point. I mean, what, what has changed is it has always been the case that it, there was a range of acceptable nominees and there was a range of unacceptable nominees. So Ronald Reagan picked Robert Bork, who at one point had opposed the Civil Rights Act. The Senate said, no way. Uh, Reagan turns around and picks Anthony Kennedy, who's still very conservative, but not crazy like Robert Bork. The Senate says, fine, you get through. You, you know, George W. Bush picks John Roberts. John Roberts is not who I would have picked, not who any of the Democratic senators would have picked. But, um, you know, a sizable block of Democratic senators say, fine, you get through because you're within that, that reasonable range. What has happened now is that the Republicans in the Senate have said there is no range anymore. It doesn't matter who Obama picks. 
because Obama is Barack Obama, um, his nominee will not be considered. And and this is, you know, politics and partisan politics at its finest. Mitch McConnell, Senator McConnell, has said the in the past that he, you know, basically it was the Republican agenda and it was their goal to block anything the president did. So it's not unusual that he would lead the charge on this, right? I mean, Mitch McConnell has, is a pioneer in the art of obstructionism. I mean, to give you an idea of what the Senate looks like under Mitch McConnell, um, there have been two, two federal appeals court nominees confirmed since Mitch McConnell became majority leader 13 years ago. And that compares to six during the same period in George W. Bush's presidency, eight under Clinton, and ten under Reagan. Um, and one of the two that has been confirmed under under McConnell was confirmed to a court called the Federal Circuit that isn't even doesn't even deal with political matters. It mostly deals with patents. Um, so there's really only one um, federal appellate court judges who, who's been confirmed who sits on a court that that has general jurisdiction. That's something we haven't seen before at any point in the modern era. And you know the the, the sort of Senate that would wage that kind of war on, um, on the President Obama's uh, nominees, you know, you kind of expect the same tactics when it comes time for there to be a Supreme Court vacancy. Okay, two quick things before um, we get into the potential nominees. One, do you think that it will hurt Republicans to obstruct or no? because most of their supporters are also anti-anyone who would be left of center. Actually, three questions. Sorry, I lied. Uh, and, and, and they're just championing on, hey, block, uh, you know, block Obama, block the black, block the black president's nominee. I know it sounds awful, but I'm just wondering, do you think that Republicans can be hurt by this kind of obstructionism or no? Well, here's why I think it matters. is like the Democratic nominee, whether it's Sanders or whether it's Clinton, um, doesn't before Saturday didn't really have a realistic message to take to the American people about how if, if you elect me here's how I will make the world better because the house the house is so gerrymandered that neither Clinton or Sanders is likely to get any real legislation through um, you know the, the main reason that to, to vote for them is because you wanted to block what the Republicans were going to try to do. Now, as long as this Senate, this uh, Supreme Court seat is open, whoever the Democratic nominee is, they have something they can point to and say, you put me in that White House, here's a big problem, I will fix it. I will give Democrats control of the Supreme Court for the first time in a very long time. Um, and that means no more Citizens United, that means uh, much more robust voting rights, that means I'm protected, that means that, they, that they're protecting a woman's right to choose, the right, the right to act as birth control, they, they, that they're protecting um, Obama's policies on immigration, uh, on, on the environment. So all of a sudden, what has happened is, like, instead of looking forward to an election where Clinton or Sanders really don't have that much to offer because the House is going to block everything they do anyway, now they have a big prize to offer their supporters. And, you know, if you're a Democrat, that is a big reason to go to the polls. So you think this will get more Democrats out, or do you think it will get more people, more voters, or people that would were planning on staying home in the next election? You think it will get more voters out, and you think those people will be Democrats? 
I mean, I think it's a charge of both sides. I mean, both sides are going to be are going to want control of the Supreme Court. But we were looking at an asymmetrical election. You know, the, the problem in this election is because of how the districts are drawn in the House. It is nearly impossible for Democrats to take back the House. Um, and so, if you're a Democratic um, candidate for president. You know, until we fix that problem of redistricting, there, there, there just isn't there just isn't a way um, that you could that, that a Democratic president can get up there and say, here is how you know, here's the legislation, here's the agenda that I'm actually going to be able to pass if you elect me. Um, what has changed now is that this gets rid of that asymmetry because now Clinton or Sanders can stand up and immediately point to here are the things that get better. If, if, if they are in the White House. And that's a big deal. That, that takes away a major advantage that Republicans had coming into this election. Okay, lastly, some people were saying today that President Obama, in order to make it harder for Republicans just to block, might pick somebody who's not as liberal as people would think. Not somebody who's conservative, but somebody who's a little bit more moderate uh, and truly could be a swing voter, if you will, being the newest member of the court. What do you say? Yes or no well, way? Well, I mean, the, the name that everyone's throwing around is, is Sri Srinivasan, who's a uh, judge on the on the D.C. Circuit. And I, I know Sri personally. I like Sri a lot. He's, a, he's an extraordinarily nice guy. Um, he's absolutely brilliant. I've seen him argue in front of the Supreme Court, and he is one of the best legal minds of the generation. But... He clerked for a Republican Court of Appeals judge. He clerked for Justice O'Connor, who was a Reagan appointee to the Supreme Court. He spent much of his career in a corporate law firm. There's nothing in his resume that suggests that he's a big lefty. And he was confirmed 97 to 0. Um, so and, and he was who I, by the way, Ian, sorry to interrupt, he was who I was referring to when I talked about the 97 to 0. If President Obama puts him forth, in addition to the fact that some people are going to go, oh, my God, it's a brown Indian man. Um, but, you know, and some of the ignoramuses out there like Trump might try to send him back to Syria. Ha ha. Um, but having having said that, how do Republicans with a 97 percent approval, 97 uh, you know, present approval of this guy for his current position, turn around and block him. I mean, they, they say, you know, there's 54 of us and only 46 of you, so you lose. I, I mean, what they're doing here is just a straight-up power play, and the voters can decide to punish them in November for it. Um, but so long as they have the power, they can make the power play. And most most Americans, I think, would feel, I know I do, more comfortable with a full court and with the Supreme Court, not lower court ruling standing. And if lower court ruling stand on immigration, on abortion, on affirmative action, liberals pretty much win across the board. Am I correct? I'm not across the board. I, I mean, the, the lower court in the big immigration case went against the Obama administration. Um, so what's going to happen if we have a, an eight-justice court, is that the ordinary rule is that whenever the court splits four to four, the lower court's ruling stands. And that's going to mean that your rights are going to depend on which federal circuit you live in. So to, so to give one example, um, there's a big case on the Supreme Court right now called Zubik that deals with whether or not your boss gets to decide if you have uh, if you have health, if you have birth control coverage in your health plan, 
almost every single circuit has said uh, has said your boss does not get to make that decision for you. But the Eighth Circuit, um, which is Minnesota and, and Nebraska and Iowa and, and, uh, and Arkansas and a few other states, has said that that actually yes, your boss does get to make that choice for you. So. So what that means is that if you live in Arkansas, you have one set of rights if you're a woman, and if you live in Pennsylvania, you have more rights. Um, you know that's not how federal law is supposed to work. That's not how the Constitution is supposed to work. But so long as we have an eight justice court, we're going to be looking at the, at this reality where a person's constitutional rights and their rights under federal law are going to change because they drive over a state border. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about those nominees. Don't go away. Our guest knows his stuff, and that's why I wanted him here when I heard the news about the passing of Antonin Scalia, Supreme Court Justice. Uh, we are talking with Ian also because he's the author of Injustices, the Supreme Court's nearly unbroken history of comforting the comfortable and afflicting the afflicted. He's a senior constitutional policy analyst at the Center for American Progress and editor of Think Progress Justice. Ian's our guest. We'll be back with him and you right after this. Quick break. By the way, follow Ian on Twitter at iMilheiser, I-M-I-L-L-H-I-S-E-R, and at Think Progress at Think Progress. Website for Think Progress is thinkprogress.org and americanprogress.org for the Center for American Progress. Back with him and you after this. Our guest, Ian Milheiser, Senior Constitutional, Constitutional excuse me, Policy Analyst at the Center for American Progress. Ian, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Well, let's look at that list of potential nominees that the president may consider to fill Justice Scalia's seat. Uh, Merrick Garland uh, is obviously a judge uh, in uh, Washington, um, in D.C. Uh, let's talk about him. Sure. I mean, Garland is someone whose name gets thrown around a lot as, like, a potential compromise nominee. He's older. I believe he's about 63 years old, which is unusually old for a Supreme Court nominee because they won't serve as long. Um, He's considered to be a fairly moderate judge. He's also a very close personal friend of Chief Justice Roberts. And so there was a point in the past where people thought that he was a good person to throw out if it was good if someone was going to have a difficult time getting confirmed because Roberts might be willing to go to the mat for him. The problem is I don't know that Roberts has the same juice that he used to have in the Republican caucus since the, since the GOP caucus has decided that his vote in the Obamacare case is, is a great betrayal. Um, so, I mean, Garland, you know, it's an interesting idea. Um, I, I think he, I, I would put him in the less likely staff as nominee. Okay. Uh, how about uh, how about Kamala Harris? Uh, she's 51 here from uh, California, where I am. She would be the um, first black person, Asian American, and woman combination to hold that job. Uh, but she's running for a senator boxer seat and has a darn good right. shot of getting it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can't speak to Kamala Harris, what, what she wants, but she seems pretty committed to her political career. And I don't know why she would put that on hold for a nomination that, you know, there's, there's no guarantee that it ends with her actually getting the big prize at the end. Especially because this is not a House of Cards episode, right? Uh, Judge right. Alberto Jordan, uh, he was born in Havana. He would be the second Hispanic, the first Cuban-American justice on the Supreme Court. Uh, and he is in the uh, appeals 11th Circuit. He's 54. Yeah, I mean, he's probably too conservative. Um, I, I mean, he, he's on the 11th Circuit. He's someone who I think was – it's very hard for Democrats to get people nominated, to get people confirmed to the 11th Circuit, which is Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. That's because the way that the Senate has historically worked, home state senators have a lot of input in um, who gets nominated, and so Republican home state senators have made it very difficult for Democrats to get people onto the 11th Circuit. And we, are, we, are out of, we aren't too much out of time to talk about Wadford or <laughs> Kelly. If, you're, if you had to bet, what do you think the bet will be Shri Srinivasan? Uh, I, I don't know. Shri or Paul Wadford's stuff looks very good because Shri has a case pending in front of him right now that I suspect that the White House is not going to want to take him off of where he is because of that case. Poor thing, huh? I'm Leslie Marshall. Ian, thank you for joining us. Ian Milheiser's been our guest. back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back only to Democracy in Talk Radio. Quickly, let's li- listen to a correction by John Dickerson when Ted Cruz was talking about Supreme Court history over the weekend on Saturday's GOP debate. Well, we have 80 years of precedent of not confirming Supreme Court justices in an election year. And, and let me say, Justice Scalia... Just, I'm sorry to interrupt. Were any nominee appointed in an election year? Or is that just there were 80 years? 80 happening? years of, of not confirming. For example, LBJ nominated Abe Fortas. Fortas did, did not get confirmed. He was defeated. But Kennedy was confirmed in 88. No, Kennedy was confirmed in 87. He was, he was, appoint, he was appointed in 87. He was appointed in 88. That's the question. Is it appointing or confirming? What's the in this case, it's both. But if I could, could answer sorry, the question. Sorry, I just want to get the facts straight for the audience. I apologize. <laughs> Pretty sad that people would want to support someone over the truth. And ironically, we did have a passing of a Supreme Court member over the weekend. Not somebody who we expected. I think if you're a Supreme Court member who passed, most of you thought it would be Justice Ginsburg. However, Justice Antonin Scalia passed, and therefore it is now the responsibility, some would say, the obligation, some would say, certainly within the power of the president to nominate. Now, in the past, President Obama, with the appointments he has made, or the nominations he has made, uh, did so within 30 days. And, of course, a lot of people would say, he's got to do it, he's got to do it now, he's got to do it right away. And you already have Republicans saying, what? We're going to block, block, block. 
Now, we've heard names that have come out. You just heard me discuss those with uh, Ian. I don't know why I have this here again. But uh, anyway, uh, we are going to talk about in this hour that specific task of the president and your opinion on it. Now, I have heard Republicans agree with me on this, even though I'm a Democrat, that it is the president's responsibility that we have to have a nine-member court because there are huge issues where the lower court would rule if there is a tie, a 4-4 with an eight-member court, as there currently will be until Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia's seat has been filled. Now, some would say it should be done by the next president. I am very, very hopeful that our next president will be a Democrat, even more so hopeful it will be Hillary Clinton. And therefore, that list of nominees might be pretty much the same. But Republicans are also hoping, obviously, for a Trump who wants to put his sister in or a Cruz who obviously is very confused um, over the fact that Ronald Reagan in his last year, that lame duck year they're referring to as a lame duck year now for President Obama, nominated Justice Kennedy. And by a vote of 97 to 1 with a Democratic majority in the Senate, they confirmed Justice Kennedy, who is still on the court today. Now, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is betting that blocking the president's court, the president's nominee, will be a net plus for him at the polls because it will gin up that GOP base. But guess what? I don't think so. I think there'll be people that go, wait a minute. In a debate, you can have Donald Trump threaten to sue Ted Cruz. You can have Donald Trump make fun of Jeb Bush's brother, former president. GW, and I think that's stupid, by the way. Trump sounding more like a Democrat with regard to Iraq and the invasion and 9-11. And he even had the audacity to a little bit tick away at Barbara Bush. And I, I, I could see Jeb Bush going, my mama? Your mama. Nobody talks about my mama. I mean, th- I sat there and watched part of this painful debate, feeling so bad for you who are Republicans that this is the lot that you have to choose from. And I think when Donald Trump today, when Donald Trump today had a press conference about Guantanamo Bay, no reason for that, okay? What was it about? I want to tell people I'm suing them. I want to have more time than I had in the debate, and I want it to all be about me, me, me. This is a bully when he doesn't get his way. And is that who we, America, want, regardless of your party and regardless of how anti-establishment you might be, that we want for president? I dare say no. I think there will be people who will abandon the Republican Party if the Republican Party specifically block President Obama and any nominee he put forth, especially when his shortlist includes some moderate and some members that we're not even sure on their political leanings. And one, and I got to tell you something, and that's how it should be. We really shouldn't know a judge's political leanings because they should take it case by case according to the laws of the land, according to the Constitution. Now, this may get more Democrats out to vote because the youth especially often feel their vote doesn't matter. But you know where one place our vote does matter? The president's nomination and hopefully eventual appointment of a Supreme Court member in a tenured position until they retire or die or too sick to keep up the job and therefore they would retire. 
That, in my opinion, is President Obama's obligation to the American people. Not to his party, to the people. We have a right, whether we like the outcome or not, for cases that have to do with unions, for cases that have to do with affirmative action, for cases that have to do with abortion, health care, the list goes on, to be heard by the Supreme Court and to be decided. And it's not a decision when it's a 4-4 tie in the lower court rules. That's a default. That makes Supreme Court a big bench with eight people, an empty chair, and a symbol, not an actual working component of this nation and of our branches of government. That means our government's not operating fully with a full tank at full steam with a full deck, if you will. And to have an empty seat just for political gain, whether a Democrat or Republican, is deplorable. Absolutely deplorable. Now, the passing of Justice Scalia could benefit Democrats in many ways. Campaign finance reform issues that could not be brought before the court may in the future. To overturn Roe v. Wade may not get to the court as he was the lead champion of overturning that 1973 decision overturning or getting something to the court to potentially challenge to overturn Citizens United as a possibility. But right now, Republicans who support this idea of blocking, you might as well take a gun and shoot yourselves in the foot. And let me tell you why. Because there are decisions that would keep affirmative action in place there in the lower court. There are decisions that would take away the state's right with regard to abortion that would take that would hold in the lower court. There are President Obama's ideas with regard to climate change that would proceed if they don't go to and are decided upon differently by the highest court in the land. And for those that really want to screw the unions, and I'm not one of them, I'm very pro-union, you got no chance of that. If the lower court stands. So quite frankly, from his death, his replacement either now or in the future, because I do believe the next president will also be a Democrat. The Republicans are hurting themselves and the American people. Not the Democrats, not the liberals, not Hillary, not Bernie, not President Obama. He's made his imprint on this nation in the form of health care, in the form of just who he is when he looks in the mirror and that he is commander-in-chief, the first biracial and African-American president. Taking out Osama bin Laden and making that decision when it was risky, against the advisement of his vice president and others, and told it would be political suicide if anything went wrong, and he took the chance anyway to rid the world of this evil head of that snake that created Al-Qaeda. And then he's already had decisions in nominations and successful appointments to the Supreme Court. He doesn't need this for a check in the win-win or Supreme Court appointment column. He's got it. But we need it, America. We need a fully operational government, and that includes the branch of government 
of our Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, which needs nine individuals. Whether you like the policies, the person, the politics, or the party of the person in office doing the nominating. I'd like you to pick up the phone and join me, 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. I have some questions for you, and we're going to take your calls. What did you think and feel when you heard about Justice Scalia's death? 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. President Obama has 340 days left as president. That's almost a full year. He would be able to appoint America's next Supreme Court justice. Do you think he can do it in 340 days? Yes or no? Why or why not? 8886-LESLIE. Now, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell indicated he would block whomever the president nominates. He said the voters should have a say in who the next next Supreme Court justice is. Well, Senator Elizabeth Warren made a great response saying, quote, Senator McConnell's right that the American people should have a voice in the selection of the next Supreme Court justice. And in fact, they did when they President Obama won the 2000 election by five million votes. Does Senator Warren have the stronger argument here? In other words, have we the people already spoken when we cast our vote for President Barack Obama, not once but twice? And it is his power. His decision that we, the American people, by a, uh, by a five million voter surplus, said, you be the decider, sir. And then the nomination process can go forth. 8886-LESLIE. Now, Republicans are arguing that a president shouldn't be able to support it, uh, uh, appoint a Supreme Court justice during his last year in office. Yet their hero, President Ronald Reagan, who I think is rolling in his grave after Saturday's debate, nominated Justice Anthony Kennedy, who was appointed by a Democrat-controlled Senate during Reagan's last year in office, 1988. By the way, 97. 97 votes with a Democratic majority gave him his seat during the last year of Reagan, a Republican's reign. 8886-LESLIE, shouldn't the Republicans give the same courtesy professionalism and put politics aside just as Democrats did back then in uh, the last year of Reagan's presidency, 1988? 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. The Senate has never taken more than 125 days to vote on a successor from the time of a nomination. On average, a nominee has been confirmed, rejected, or withdrawn within 25, less than a month. The president's term expires in 340. We've got time. But will the GOP Congress stall this process until a new president is elected? Is this irresponsible of them, in your opinion, America? 8886-LESLIE. And how would this move if Republicans block? What happens to Republicans? Who will America blame in the next election cycle this November 2016? 8886-LESLIE. Doesn't this just put back that party of no with this kind of obstruction? 8886-LESLIE. And as of right now, four Democrats and four Republican justices on the Supreme Court. How would having a deadlock Supreme Court for 340 days or more affect we, the United States of America? By the way, never and before in our nation's history has this ever happened. It shouldn't happen now. 8886-LESLIE, back to you after this. Let's get to those calls. This is your show, and I want to hear from you here on the only true democracy in talk radio. Good afternoon. Let's start it out with Cliff in Virginia, line one, listening on Progressive Voices. Hey, Cliff, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Leslie. As always, thank you for taking my call. 
Well, thank you for joining us. What's your take on this? Uh, I think the first thing was it was kind of jaw-dropping. Um, I actually found out about it on Twitter um, on Saturday afternoon, and I, you know, I, I didn't believe it. Um, you know, I wanted to wait to the Associated Press to confirm it, you know, because, you know, when you read something like that, you're just kind of floored. Uh, so, you know, definitely good job to the San Antonio Express News who actually broke the story. Um, secondly, you know, condolences to the Scalia family. Um, definitely a hard thing when their loved one passes away. And then I think finally, uh, this right now is probably, like, have to be one of the biggest moments of the Obama presidency and also the biggest moment of the Republican Party because they're going to make a decision whether they're going to be an actual, an actual governing party or they're just going to be a, a loose collection of individuals who just going to obstruct government. I mean, what they're proposing has never occurred in the history of the United States of America, that a sitting president is not able to confirm a justice to the Supreme Court. So we're, we're into a historic bumpy ride. Uh, which is being a presidential election. And I also think it symbolizes the fact that the Supreme Court is pretty much the leading edge of a left-winging tide that's sweeping America. So I think, this, you know, once President Obama's justice is confirmed, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of court cases that are going to favor uh, working-class Americans and protect a lot of the laws that have already been um, and then judged by the Supreme Court, like Roe v. Wade, like Brown versus the Board of Education, so on and so forth. All right. I appreciate the call. We have a lot to take, little time to do it, and I hope that you will call us again. Look forward to hearing from you. I think you've called us before, Cliff. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Jake in Eureka, California. Jake, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Leslie. I'd just like to remind everybody that Barack Obama won twice in landslide victories. American people made it perfectly clear they did not want Mitt Romney picking Supreme Court justices. They want Barack Obama to do that job. Amen. And these Republicans, they don't, they don't want to do their job. They, they get six-figure salaries courtesy of the taxpayer to do nothing, to obstruct. The, the voters got, got to take care of business to get these Republicans out of control. They need to be voted out in the Congress, in the House, the Senate. They need to be gone. I agree 100%. Anything else you have to say, Jake? Yeah, and I think if they don't confirm Barack Obama's appointee to the court, I think they'll be committing political suicide, and Mitch McConnell will become the uh, Senate Minority Leader instead of Majority Leader. Well, actually, that's what should happen. That would be called karma, but we don't always get to see it come around, and people do have short memories. November can be a long time away. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Carl in Nashville, Tennessee, Line 2, listening on Tune In. Hot Tune In. Thank you, Carl. Good afternoon. Hey, how you doing today? Good, Carl. Well, I, I, I tell you what, um, this is a wonderful, wonderful day for America and Americans, and, and not to be morbid or anything like that because of the death of someone. Just the fact that the one of the last fingers of Ronald Reagan's hand that's been gripping the throat of this country for about 35 years has slipped away, and that hand is finally falling off our neck and gently sliding down the chest of America to the ground. Um on one hand, like my wife says, you have a tiger. And that tiger is you give President Obama a third um, nominee to the Supreme Court. On the other hand, right behind you is a cliff that goes straight down about 500 feet, and the Republicans are standing in between. They either got to run toward that tiger or run, uh, fall down that cliff. And that cliff is, is this. They're going to lose Senate seats if they stand in the way. They're, they're going to look like petulant children if they stand in the way. And unfortunately, Americans don't pay attention to politics uh, until just until a presidential election. Now, me and you, we may think that everybody 
talk about politics like we do all the time, but but they just don't. They're kind of lazy. So they're finally paying attention uh, to to the obstruction uh, of the Republican Party that that the president has has been um, that the president have been you know dealing with for the past seven years. And they're going to show them for what they are, the evil evangelical hypocrites that they are. And this this is just a wonderful time um, to be an American because we're finally going to do what these racist Republicans have been talking about since since President Obama's been in there. We're going to take our country back. And, uh, you know, it, it couldn't have happened to a better party, man. They're in a hell of a position. And I'm loving every bit of it. I really am. No sympathy for them. Forehead, don't go with a moderate. Find who you want. If, if I'm President Obama, I'm the president for the next year. I'm picking who I want to, to appoint to the Supreme Court, and that's that. I'm not going to bend to the Republicans. They're not going to give me any room or quarter. I'm not going to give them, you know, I'm not going to not going to bend to their will. I, I hear you, and I don't think it's a matter of, I appreciate the call. I don't think it's a matter of bending to will, more so getting somebody uh, confirmed uh, that, you know, you put out there. Let's go to Mark in San Francisco, Line 5, listening on Progressive Voices. Good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon. This is part of uh, President Obama's legacy to appoint a Supreme Court nominee. Plus, they would talk about the Constitution. It's his constitutional uh, duty to do it. And the Republican Party, to me, uh, this is just absolutely disgusting. They're showing for who they are. They're not, they're, they're not conducting themselves as Americans or, or, or as a, a legitimate uh, political party to do this. This is ridiculous. Uh, you know, to me, I'm so upset, I, I, I can't even talk. It's now, so be bad. honest with me, Mark. I'm a Democrat. You're a Democrat. If it had been Justice Ginsburg, who will pass at some point, she's older, she's had some health issues, would you be singing the same song uh, for an appointment if it were a Republican president? I wouldn't be happy about it, but you know what? If that's the way it goes, that's the way it goes. That's what the Constitution says. Whoever's in office has to – that's their uh, basic – that's their duty as, as the president of the United States. And I, I agree. I agree with Obama. you. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I would hope that I would have the same feeling. I, I think I would. I'm Leslie Marshall. We'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will as well right here on the only true democracy in talk radio. Don't go away. If you have a holiday today, enjoy the rest of it. Thanks to Mark and Andrew, my great crew. We'll be back tomorrow.